it was just unbelievable. It was uh, off the helipad of a hospital in the middle of the city. And as they're telling me, you know, what this mission was, I said, I said, this isn't an active helipad. And they're like, oh, yeah, it's an active helipad. (laughs) (laughs) Just add another challenge to you, right? Yeah. So at one point, we actually had to clear the helipad because there was an inbound helicopter that was landing with a patient. Welcome to Elevating Drone Life, the podcast for drone professionals that takes you on a journey through the exciting and ever-evolving world of drone technology. Each week, we'll be speaking with professionals from all walks of the drone industry to learn about their experiences, insights, and tips for success. Welcome to Elevating Drone Life. Welcome to this week's episode of Elevating Drone Life. I'm your host, PJ Kirkpatrick, and we'll be speaking with Drone U Elite instructors and Drone U members and exploring how these professionals are leading the way in the industry. Joining us today is Dave and John Schwalm, father and son team with Northeast Drones, a leading drone service provider in the industry. Dave, welcome. Can you share your story about how you got into drone services and the kind of services that your company provides? Absolutely. How are you doing today, PJ? And welcome to upstate New York. That's not how I remember you saying welcome to New York. (laughs) (laughs) No, we could do that probably off camera. Okay, anyway, okay, okay. So, so I was a uh, drone uh, a basic um, executive with a construction company here in upstate New York, and uh, we did a lot of major projects, and I was the guy who was always out taking pictures and, and doing job site marketing. So at one point, John was doing a lot of RC plane flying when he was a younger kid, and he came up and said, Dad, what about if I build you a drone? Now, this happened to be probably 11, 12 years ago. So this is how far back we go. So John went, I spotted him some, some money. He built the first drone and he can tell you what, what's, you know, how it came out and what it's all about. But so we used to go out to job sites 10, 11, 12 years ago and fly the first drones ever flown on construction sites. So we would show up the projects with this gigantic big drone that John had built and people go, what the hell is that? Right. That's before you could ever buy anything. So sure. basically we fly it up, he get it up. We had to put a GoPro camera on the bottom. There wasn't any first person viewing. So I'd say to John, we'll take a thousand pictures and he'd go up and, and fly the thing. And we might get two good shots out of a thousand, but it was so, so fantastic from what we used to get. The customer would say, holy cow, that's fantastic. So we, we built it off a flame wheel F550 frame, which was a hexcopter. Mm-hmm. And uh, I built it over a winter. I really didn't know much about soldering, so I had to figure that out. Sure. But back then, everything was a kit. So, you know, you built the main drone, and the it had a NASA controller, which was DJI-based. That was some of the early DJI stuff. Right. And then we had to add a landing gear. And that was, you know, that was a kit and we would just strap a GoPro, which back then, you know, that was the biggest hassle where it was always locking up. You would just set it to take a picture every one second and get a thousand pictures, land it, hope you got something because you couldn't see what it was looking at. Right. Then you'd have to put it through a reverse fisheye lens filter. And I mean, it was just such a hassle compared to. You know, everything today being turnkey and it's all integrated and built in. But here's the best part. Um, I would call him up 
and say, hey, we need to fly a job site in an hour. Yeah. And he'd say, what the hell is wrong with you? I need two days to put this thing together. Well, no, it was because <laughs> toward, toward the end, you know, we did add an FPV camera and we added telemetry and everything was this add on. But they all had their own individual batteries and each battery. It was a different sure. cell lipo with different, you know, different voltages. And so, you know, just to charge everything would would be a project. And then when you got done you know, now you had to discharge, you know, all these huge lipos and, and, you know, it was just, it was such a project where, it was. you know, now everything's got the intelligent computer, you know, management and the batteries and stuff. But so after that drone, what, what was your next drone that you uh, introduced into your, so we, we got a Mavic, just said the original Mavic pro, mm-hmm. which was incredible, you know, technology for, to, to go from this huge, you know, just unstable drone kit to, you know, a a Mavic, which is just tiny fold out. Everything was great. And we flew that and, you know, did a ton of work with that. Um, And that was just the original Mavic one pro. So when you said a ton of work with that, what were kind of uh, some of the missions that you flew early on with that? So basically it's funny because what we're into now, my company was a crane and rigging company. And so we built all the cell towers, all the wind towers, all the solar sites. So everything that drone guys are out flying today, mm-hmm. it's funny when me and John show up at job sites, I'll go, hey, I built that tower. I built this site or right. whatever. So I've been on the sites. So that's where we started of people. I think the first job we did was a nose cone fell off of a wind tower yeah, like so, six, seven years ago, so, right? So, you know, we did the basic photography, but we, we also ended up doing a lot of inspection. Sure. And as soon as DJI came out with the DJI goggles, we got a pair of those, and it was crazy to be able to – it was like sitting in the cockpit of the drone. And uh, and there were, there were some interesting things that we got in the middle of just with a Mavic 1 Pro, one of which there was a, a wind farm, and they, they called us and said – we have an emergency. The nose cone fell off our uh, wind turbine and it rolled down a hill. And we were there within like an hour. And, 250 right? feet in the air. Yeah. And we looked at it. I was like, wow. I was, I was like, how often does this happen? And and the site manager's like a lot more often than we wish it did. Now, this happened and, to be probably eight years ago before anybody was doing anything with drones and anything. Yeah. So they, they were using binoculars at this point And... I brought my DJI goggles and I told them, you know, sit down. This is going to be disorienting. Right. And, and I flew the drone up and we flew right up to the nose cone and found that the nose cone, uh, where the nose cone used to be, we were able to show them all the damage with the wires that got ripped off. It impacted the blade and caused a massive amounts of blade damage. And so, you know, within 20 minutes, we gave them an SD card with all kinds of high-res pictures they were able to send us to the manufacturer and and they were able to realize what you know the extent of the damage um because they were responsible for for repairing it over eight years ago so you're the pilot in command and then your customer basically had the goggles on that allowed him to inspect whatever he inspected did he provide you with like directions on like hey can you go over here and stuff like that in this scenario was pretty obvious but there were times where um another instance there was a crane that was assembled in the middle of a city and they were doing a pick and the, uh, the crane operator was concerned that the cable wasn't routed correctly at the tip of the boom. 
So I put the DJI goggles on them and I said, you know, you tell me what we need to see. And we flew up and, and he directed me, you know, go over here. You know, we need to look at this. And they determined that um, during assembly of the crane, the cable wasn't routed into the. Uh, it was on the wrong shifts. Yeah. So it, it would have destroyed the cable. It would have destroyed caused, the cable, you know, which is $25,000 in the shivs and all that type <laughs> of stuff. So, so that's how that works. So that's one of your earliest operations. So take us to like one of your more recent operations and, you know, share with some of the things you've learned from your earliest one to kind of like your more recent operations. Did you guys pick up on any best practices that you could share? Yeah. So we've been doing a lot of uh, solar farm, solar panel inspections, sure. wind turbine blade inspections. Um, we did some cell tower inspection work. So, so, you know, some of the earliest laid over people, that's a private. Yeah. So a couple of years ago, there was a company that reached out and they were, they had a blanket waiver for flight over people. One of the first ones in, in, the, country. in the country. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in New York. Yeah. Yes. In uh, Syracuse. And they brought us on board as part of crew resource management to have enough people capable to help with the operation. Sure. And so we used a ballistic parachute system that was connected to an Inspire 2, flew about a, a mile and a half over the city, over people, and delivered uh, COVID yeah. test kits. And it was it was just unbelievable. It was uh, we off the helipad of a hospital in the middle of the city. And as they're telling me, you know, what this mission was, I said, I said, this isn't an active helipad. And they're like, oh, yeah, it's an active helipad. <laughs> and Just so, add another challenge to you, right? Yeah. So at one point, we actually had to clear the helipad because there was a, an in, inbound helicopter that was landing with a patient. And this was at the peak of COVID. Wow. And so, you know, even going into a hospital at the peak of COVID and going, you know, we had to go through all the hallways, through all these elevators to access the roof and it was it was just an unbelievable experience. And before that, we had to spend three days to get certified, paperwork wise. We had to take three or four days of testing. Yeah, so we we, we, we take- went through some extensive training to learn the ballistic parachute system, which was very dangerous. You know, you couldn't stand behind it. There were a lot of rules involved. You can't approach it if it's armed, and there was different color indicators on what the status was. And, and then flying the drones. Yeah, it was just... Fire 2 M600s, we had to be so, certified for that. Yeah, so they they started with an Inspire 2 um, and rigged up the landing gear to be able to drop packages. And then shortly after that, we did some uh, missions. They brought some proprietary equipment, including it was M600s with like a proprietary landing gear system where they could drop packages using this elaborate winch and it had lidar that would measure the distance to the ground so it would know exactly how far to drop the package until it had to set it down and it was just we did multiple missions with this with this group it was it was pretty incredible that's awesome so what kind of training uh, did you have to, because you mentioned a couple of things, you had to get certified, stuff like that. Outside of that mission, what kind of training did you guys take uh, to help you become better operators for your missions? We practice a lot, um, mm-hmm. just hands-on stick, stick time, 
prior to that. That's the number one thing. Yeah. But Flight time, practice, what, practice. What really set us apart from what we were doing before to what where we're at now, and I hate to make this sound like a commercial, is <laughs> we, you know, we stumbled on the Drone U podcast and we watched a ton of it's just every they have videos of every single topic there is to know. And that was like five sure. or six years ago. And, you know, and I told them, I'm like, you have to see these two guys like they they talk about everything. And Dave just binged, you know, every single topic there is to know. Yeah, and you know me. Point, I, uh, I'm a binge guy. So he didn't know anything like, about drones. No, I didn't. I think I think he he probably learned most of what he knows by watching, you know, almost every one of the fifteen hundred podcasts. <laughs> And, and basically, you know, we kept hearing Paul talk about mapping and they happened to be doing a mapping class that was down closer to New York city, but still in in New York state. And we, you know, we said, we should check it out. That, that seems really interested. It seemed really interesting to do something with a drone. That's not just taking pictures or video like everybody else. Well, well, that's what I was just going to say. What brought us to that PJ is. I'm connected with a lot of general contractors up here in New York. And we went to one of the conferences, me and John always going, that's the other thing, meeting people, greeting people, contacts. I'd go to the general contractor meetings and they would, you know, I'd say, hey, can we fly a drone? Can we take some pictures? Uh, you know, what can we do for you? And, and they would come back and say, well, no, my secretary will take whatever drone pictures. There was one time. Right, that yeah. My grandson said, will do it on a weekend. <laughs> he goes, he says, uh, if I need pictures taken, I'll have my secretary go yeah, to it. Or another right. guy says, my grandson. So I came back to John and said, yeah. we need to be 10 steps ahead Yo. of my secretary taking pictures. So at that point, I said, let's sign us up for a mapping class, not knowing what it would be. I knew he would do great because sure. he's a great pilot and he's an IT guy. And and I said, well, I'm going to – I'll tag along. I'll tag along and see what happens. And uh, so we signed up. Here's the, here's the other good thing. I said, listen, there's another class that's an extra day called Flight Mastery. And John says, I don't need well, that. No, he already paid for it. <laughs> no, I didn't pay for it. Okay. No, I paid for the mapping <laughs> class. And I said, I'm going to sign us up for Flight Mastery. And him being John said, I don't need Flight Mastery. Yeah. I don't need that. Yeah, I've been flying for, for yeah. you know, four, four years. I don't need Flight Yeah, Mastery. I don't need Flight Mastery. I said, okay, right. I'm going to sign us up anyway. At the time, Rob gave me a, a little bit of discount because it was two of us. But after we went through the four days or three days of mapping, and then the last day we took Flight Mastery, and he'll be the first to tell you what happens after Flight Mastery. Yeah, I, you know, we learned so much. Um, just there's even to today, I, I tell people tricks of, you know, checking the battery and all these different things that I that I learned that just, it was incredible. And you happened uh, to be one of the instructors. That was the day I we was met you. I do remember that. Yep, Flight Mastery. Yeah, so. Flight Mastery and the mapping. And what I always tell people, you know, you can go online and do whatever you want to do. But to me, the mapping part, the capture part, John's really good on the IT. You know, let's run it through a computer and get whatever you can get as far as right. uh, the models and 3D mapping. But the capturing you need to be able to learn how to capture properly to be able to do cell towers, wind towers, solar sites. It's all in the capturing. So learning the mapping protocol or the whatever, 3D modeling, the capture part is is, is basically step one in anything you're going to do 
in the drone 100%. business. Everything else, it's all day, it's all data it. collection. Yes, if, it is. if you're not flying a drone around taking pictures and video, you're you know then you're collecting data. And so, yeah. you know, we learned a ton with the mapping class on just different techniques and data capture and. Yeah, and wow. without that drone U class, and like John said, this is not we're not being paid yeah. to advertise anything. Without that drone U mapping class is what all started for us. We wouldn't be where we're at now because that it, started the whole ball rolling. It changed everything because we could walk into any room, even with drone people, and and you know, and just show them some of the models that we made. And you know, anytime someone's like, "Oh, well, we could just have our secretary or grandson yeah. Yeah, take." Yeah. I just pull my phone out and be like, "Can you do this?" Yeah, can you? There you go. And their and their their jaw would just drop. <laughs> and I'm like, "There's times people people look at these models and they're like, you you did that with a drone? It's just you know it it gave us the confidence to be able to walk into any room and and know that you know we kind of had a leg up on some people with abilities to do things with drones that no one else could do. That's right. And then you yeah. fast forward a couple of years later, we even ran into the head of the Department of Transportation of New York State, and he took photogrammetry in college and did it by hand. Sure. And from taking the class, I knew enough to talk with him for like 45 minutes and BS my way through. <laughs> and by the time he got done talking to us, he walked away thinking we were like absolute yeah, industry experts. Exactly. Gave and, us his uh, email address. And he did it by we, hand. We, we, we emailed back and forth with him for, you know, years since then and you know it's it was it was funny well that's really interesting because one of the things that i think drone operators and drone service providers have a challenge with it i think you could probably help them out with because i know how good you guys do this uh and i'm not talking about your website presence i'm talking about your your selling ability which we don't have no well you you're talking about your web presence specifically. It's getting better. It's yeah, getting yeah, better. Yeah. But irregardless of that, right? Yes. Um, because I know you guys get really good jobs, very unique jobs. So can you share your story about how how are you getting these jobs? I want to start by saying the big thing is Dave, because <laughs> this could be drones, this could be selling ice cream. I mean, right. he's he is triple A. He emails everybody, he makes connections with everybody. He just he never stops. It's just it's he just keeps going and going and going. And there's times I look at my email, I get copied on it. I'm like, like, you know, what, what did you Don't do? Don't you love me? Like, you know, <laughs> what you do now? And how many, how many yeah. meetings we've been in? And he's like, he's like, well, yeah, we'll do this. We, we could, we could take care of this. And I'm like, we've, we've never done that. Like, like, yeah. Uh, yeah, so Dave, I, share, share some of your, uh, so what I've told you before, PJ is never say no. And where I come up with that is, you know, in the rigging and crane business, it was the same way. So in the drone business, drones are so brand new and the technology is so new that when somebody asks you to go out and fly this or fly that or how can we do this, how can we do that? If you don't know how to do it, you say, hey, let's go do it. Let's try it. Let's see how it works because somebody is going to end up doing it. So right. you can be first like we were with flying things over cities. Or you can sit back and wait for somebody else to take over. But bottom line, for me, it's always been contacts. So what I did is I've reached out to every drone uh, mission. I'll call them mission providers. Like People pilot like networks? Drone, drone, yeah, pilot networks, uh, drone base, Skylink, you know, all them type of guys like that. Just reach out and you'd be surprised 
on the amount of work that comes out of that. Now, here's the thing, and we talked about this before. Here's the important stuff. So you need to have the experience to get the jobs. It's like anything else. How do I get experience? I get the job. So when John first bought the Mavic, and I wasn't a very good drone pilot, and John was, he'd been flying for years, I would take it in the backyard of my house and just fly it and fly it and fly it just to get the feel of the sticks, just to get the feel of flying. So that became, okay, now I got 10 hours. Okay, now I got 50. Well, I got 100. I got fighting. So now you've got the experience. Right. So the customer comes back and they go, okay, you guys, we love you. Have you flown an Inspire 2? How many hours do you have on it? Have you flown a 210 or a 300 or a 600? How many hours do you have on it? So now it becomes not so much your marketing aspect. They're looking for people that own the enterprise equipment that will work for them. That's not a lot. Right. So if you've got millions of people flying drones at this point, how many people actually own enterprise drones? It's not right. a lot. So you need that investment. And my wife's always saying to me, is any of this stuff ever going to pay off? You know, so we invest a lot of money, but you can't play the game if the customer says, when they send out a spec sheet and says, we want you to fly this solar site, and you need to have an M210 with an XT2 or an M300 with P1, whatever it ends up being, that's what you need to have. On top of that, we need you to have 200 hours of flying time. That's what you need to have. So all that comes into play. And then the third thing is, which is probably the hardest for everybody, is we need you to be available tomorrow. Yeah, so that's important. I've always got pilots reaching out to me and saying, how can I get into this and how can I get in there? And I'll go, well, are you full-time or part-time? Well, I'm part-time right now, but the problem is we'll get calls constantly. We need you to fly a job tomorrow. Right. They don't mean two weeks from now. They mean tomorrow. So you can't call your boss up and say, I need to take a couple of days off of work to go fly a solar site. Right. So, and they don't do solar at night. So working <laughs> after night kind of don't work. Right. Weekends, they want people on a site, so that kind of don't work. So it's, it's a whole menagerie of things. Can it work? Yeah. Absolutely. Just the logistics. You know, yes. wind farms. <clears throat> They're looking for a string of days where it's not too windy, but they build the wind turbines where it's always windy. But also, as that fact, is when you have enterprise drones, you're going to be making more money than you are with a Mavic 3 doing a wedding or going out and shooting somebody's house. So is there a possibility of making money? Absolutely. So you just need to get out there, get the experience, get the knowledge, whether it's mapping or learning through the drone use sites, how to do a cell tower or how to do a solar site or anything like that. You get the knowledge, but then you have to get the training. Me and John have done a lot of free flying. Now, when you say a lot of free flying, uh... well, so when you, you need to go out on a cell site, when I say free flying, we'll go out and spend a week flying cell towers for. A thousand bucks. Yeah, break even. Or yeah, break even, money. make no money. Just to get um, the experience. Same thing. You know. Wind sites. So everything we did. On the we job training, right? Free. Yes. We never worked for free. But on the job training, when you come back and go, wow, we lost two grand on that one. Wow, we lost three grand on that one. But 
You and I have the experience, right? If you don't have the experience, when a customer calls you up and says, PJ, I need you to do a cell tower, and you go, I've never done one of those. What right. about winning? No, I haven't done one. What about, can you do solar? No. You need to fly everything and learn what you like to fly, what makes good money for you, and then you, you step up and get into that factor. But it does take some investment, and it does take some time. But the number one thing to me is always fly, fly, fly. Get as no, much flying as you can get in, because when the customer comes back and says, I need two or 300 hours, and you can show them what you've done, it's like anything else in life. You don't want somebody painting your house when you go, how many houses have you painted? Well, you're my first one. Well, there you go. So you need training and you need to show the customer you can get done what they would like to get done within their budget. Fantastic advice. So in addition to uh, being a drone service provider, I also know that both of you are also drone you elite instructors. Uh, how did that come about? And, uh, and can you share uh, your story about your experiences with, uh, I know that you're working with a customer in New York, one of the largest uh, power companies in the country. What are your thoughts on that? Good. So we're, we're centrally located in the state. So that makes, that makes it pretty easy to have a, a pretty good range of accessibility for different people. Mm -hmm. we, we got into training out of the need for this large customer. They're scaling up, cross-training their employees with their existing jobs into also integrating drones into what they do as well. Yep. And in the beginning, I didn't really get it because I'm like, if, if you're going to be doing drone work, why not have a drone person? But as we went on to you know, to see some of the training, it made sense because they had so many different employees doing so many different types of jobs and all of these jobs could have, you have to have 50 pilots, right? Yeah. But it, yeah. it was, it was great to see how you could find a drone that would fit a perfect need, you know, very specific for all these different roles. Sure. You know, one person might need to document assets in case there's some kind of catastrophic issue, you know, where the government has to help rebuild right. uh, infrastructure one of them might be responsible for you know vegetation and and handling things like that you've got security guys you know and it's just it's the great part is is the main thing drones can help play a part in is to do things safer where you're not putting a human in jeopardy and not having a person have to climb a 50-foot pole in in an ice storm or, you know, to be able to inspect something. I'm really glad you mentioned that. Uh, the word that I think I heard you say was safety. Um, I know safety is very important for every mission that we do, because a lot of the missions that we're doing are, are relatively high risk, especially these guys that you guys are training, uh, very high risk missions. What are some, um, what are some of the things that you highlight in your training when it comes to safety? The biggest thing is to do everything by the correct protocol. Mm -hmm. You know, everything's written in place for a reason. Um, the pre-flight inspection of whatever equipment that they're using mm -hmm. uh, to make sure that, that they're using the correct equipment. You know, there's a lot of different factors involved with uh, having a safe mission. 
Yeah, 100%. There's a lot of uh, variables. Um, I know that when when we teach, we like to push the envelope a little bit, kind of let them feel a little uncomfortable with certain things just to kind of like get that experience because the reality is you guys aren't going to be out there with them when they're when they're doing these operations, right? So uh, gaining their confidence and the ability to fly, I know that uh, – the feedback that we get from you guys is very, very positive. You know, the ability to take someone that's never touched a drone and with your training, by the end of the day, they're flying figure eights through the obstacle course, right? That's the best part. Yeah, to, really, we've seen this time and time again. And it's it's unbelievable to have somebody that's never touched a drone. And then by day three, they're flying through an obstacle course full speed and flying in addy mode is just it's, it's incredible. Yeah. Like what John was saying, what, what I love when you're talking to one of the guys, like say for instance, a guy tells me he's got to go up in a winter time and he's got to climb up a, a tower, a cooling tower up a hundred feet to check the tower, right. you know, on the ice and it's on the wind. And, and now he's got this drone that he can fly from the ground. He can do the, the complete 360 inspection. It doesn't matter you know, how cold it is, you can go do it. You don't have to worry about falling. You never have to, when you're flying the drone, you never have to worry about anybody falling. If the yeah. drone comes down, it comes down. You never have to worry about anybody falling or getting killed. The rate there. That's the best part. Like you That's said, a great safety, point. safety, safety, it's everything. You never have to worry about that. You never have to worry about somebody getting electrocuted on a line. You never any of that stuff. You've got the machine to do the job for you, makes it super safe. And I think they're really enjoying flying them. Uh, they're loving what they're doing now. It makes their job mentally a lot less stressful than I see. And they love doing it. And, and I'll tell you, I never thought that I would like getting out there and training, but it's be- becoming one of the best things we do to show people how to fly safely and properly. So. Yeah, and I know that uh, I've read a lot of the feedback from your students, and students absolutely love you guys. So keep up that work. Um, That's great. One of the things I've observed, you know, when we talked about the drone service providers and and you guys are teaching enterprise organizations, I think my observation actually has been that companies are seeing the benefits. They're realizing the benefits. Uh, They've tried using drone service providers, but I think a lot of these companies are finally – starting to see the benefits of have, of, of growing an internal uh, organization with drone resources. Is that what you're kind of seeing in the uh, industry as well, or you have a different I, I can tell you this. I'm the first guy being the marketing sales guy that wants to give work away, okay? Right. So and somebody said to me the other day, well, you're training pilots, you're giving your work away. I go, when you're looking at the scope of the job, if you have somebody training 50 pilots, how the hell would you ever be able to do the work of 50 pilots? <laughs> right. So to me, to be able to train them correctly and safely feels better to me than going out and, and saying, hey, me and John can go do two jobs. When can we do the other 48, right, John? Yeah. You just can't do it. <laughs> right. So if we can train other companies to, to be able to go out there and use their forces, and use drones as a, as a wonderful tool to go out and be safe and to be able to manage, you know, their, their modification rates of people getting in accidents and injuries. I mean, that's the whole thing to me. 
You, yeah. The safety factor has got to be saving companies, at least it was with us, multi-millions of dollars a year. Worst case scenario, you have a drone come down, but you don't have a major catastrophic injury from somebody that's climbing something or, or whatever. So right. if anybody can reach out, you know, to, to start their enterprise system, that's really the only way to do it. And more companies are going to find it that way, really. Yeah, and having a good UAS program manager is, all, is key as well. That's key. That's where it all starts. But you've also got to have a great training co- company to be able to follow up and, and, you know, make it all happen. And once that happens, then you lock into the to the whole system. So, 100%. Well, before we, uh, before we leave... I want to offer you guys the time each, each, I want to ask you guys each of this question and answer. Um, what's one piece of advice that you could give drone operators today uh, that you'd like to share with them? I'm going to start with you, John. Um, I think just keep flying, get your stick time in. You know, there's so many times that we've just taken our equipment and sat down without even flying and gone through everything to try to, make sure everything is set up the way it should be and take your time um, and don't rush. You know, we've never had a mishap unbelievably and it's just, yeah. And we've had some close calls. One story is a brand new drone at a wind farm. It was an M210 and the drone was going from 15 satellites to zero and completely losing GPS and then going into Addy mode. Mm-hmm. And drifting towards a, a you know two million dollar wind turbine, wow! And just things like that, we were able to take it in Addy mode, bring it back, land it, and then test it to see if we could you know reproduce it. I guess it's just there are some things that are not in your control, but you you just have to focus on what you can control. Make sure you're ready to anticipate if something does go sideways, and you know just always take your time and and. And just safety, safety, safety. That's great advice. Improvise, adapt, and overcome, right? Yep. Awesome. How about you, Dave? What advice you do know, you my have answer for to that? My answer is never say no. Yeah. Stretch out, reach out to everybody, get the proper training that you require, get the proper drones that you think you want to get to do the work that you want to get. Keep in mind. If you're going to buy a $1,000 drone, you're going to get the $100 jobs. If you're going to buy a $10,000 drone, you're going to get the $1,000 jobs. That's just how it works in any industry. It's just the way it is. So reach out to everybody you can, knowing that if there's a million people or 10 million people with drones, that you have to have the bigger drones, the better drones, the better experience to do the work. Never say no. Go out, give it a shot. The drone industry is so brand, brand new, even at this point, that somebody is going to go out and do the work they ask you to do. It doesn't matter where it is or what it is. Me and John have had our parts and pieces swivel up during certain jobs, and you need to be able to go out there and stretch out and, and do what what could be the first, but you never want to say no, go out and don't be afraid. That's solid advice. We've stepped out and done some crazy stuff that, you know, (laughs) I was against. No, safe, safe, safe. We never do anything dangerous. Safety first. John can tell you my my, my pre, everything pre-flight, 
I spend an hour on the ground pre-flight and everything, weather-wise and everything. He's the paperwork guy. I'm with, the paperwork guy. So the, we never do anything on safe. All I'm saying, if somebody stretches out to you and says, hey, can you do this job? It's never been done before. Just look at it. You know what I mean? Somebody's going to do it. So it could be you, and it could be the chance of a lifetime. So there you go. And we, we stretched out. Now we work with PJ, who is fantastic. And <laughs> we never you been without him. <laughs> And, and Joan Yu has been wonderful for us. Again, not an advertiser. We don't get paid to say this, but without taking the proper courses through Joan Yu, we wouldn't know what we knew. We'd just be guys out there flying real estate, I guess. So that's it. Well, that's solid advice. How can uh, how can people get a hold of you? They can't. If they want. <laughs> well, that's not the salesman answer I was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I, I think I think we have we have a page uh, on on the droneu.com um, under uh, Elite Pilot uh, Training. Mm-hmm. What if they uh, What if they want to get a hold of your company to do some drone service provider stuff? Uh, how would they get a hold of you? Northeast Drones with a Z. dot com. Right, and they can always reach out to me personally. It's Dave at Northeast Drones with a Z. dot com. And I'd be glad to answer questions. I have no problem with that. Uh, we all started someplace. So, you know, glad to help out whoever we can. Again, it's just a matter of uh, getting the proper training and stepping out and don't ever be afraid. Well, I'm grateful for you guys and appreciate your time today for sharing your story and sharing some best practices with uh, with our audience. And, and with that, GFY, Dave. GFY, yeah, we're John. Great, we're grateful for you and <laughs> very grateful for Paul and, and Rob. You know that. So uh, thanks for reaching out. And, and Joan, you has been wonderful for us. We wouldn't be where we are right now, really. For without, real. Without Joan, you. Um, so thanks. Live from New York, GFY. 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 GFY, guys. GFY. Enjoy the day. Enjoy the day. Thank you for listening to the Elevating Drone Life podcast. If you were inspired, entertained, or learned something new, please share the podcast with your friends and fellow drone enthusiasts. Join us next time as we continue our mission of bringing the real world of drones to life. To learn more about the Drone U family, head to thedroneu.com or for enterprise solutions, propsflightschool.com.